Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. The whole entire internet is blasting at me saying, do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this sounds good. Let's do all these things. And then a week into January, I'm like, oh shoot, now I've way overcommitted myself to all these new things. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 94. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Edson to reflect on the past month and explore what's new for December. This is our monthly peek behind the scenes at Simple Scrapper. One of the things we discuss in this episode is our next session of Photo Crush. This is a week to fall back in love with your photo library and get it ready for 2021. We're revealing an updated classroom and a brand new choose your own adventure process for this class. It all starts December 10th, but you can join anytime and use the link in the show notes for this episode to start for just $9. You can find the show notes at simplescrapper.com slash SYW094 to get your special listener deal. And now here's this month's casual conversation with Kim. Hey, Kim, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Jennifer. How are you doing this week? I am doing well. I feel like December 1st just kind of, I mean, we knew it was coming, obviously, but all of a sudden it was like yesterday. It's like, wow, December's here. Um, And I think I'm seeing a lot of like chatter online about how it's going to be different and some people are really struggling with that and what you can or cannot do. And honestly, it occurred to me last night that I'm going to like, I'm jazzed up because honestly, like the normal Christmas, like hoopla is a little overwhelming for me. So this Mm. year I'm really focusing and it's kind of that thing that we've got going on for next year of doing less, but maybe like leaning into it a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, so as far as obviously like the calendar is very clear, but like when we're home, you know, I'm like lighting the candles and get the fire going and even like decorations, we started after Thanksgiving and I'm very much more into like doing fewer things, but maybe ones that are like bigger, have more impact. Right. So as opposed to in the past, there's always like the little like snowman candle holder, all these like small little decor type items. Like I'm not really into putting those out this year. It's like we're hitting the big ones, like stocking tree of my grandma's village. We have a nativity set that Dan painted as a child. So it's kind of like, that's what we're going with. Um, and at this point, not a lot of the extras, but I'm liking that a lot. 
Oh, for sure. I would say that's that's always been my decorating philosophy, but so even more so this year. I'm really just trying to make an impact. I told Steve last night my goal for today was to just get the uh, pillow covers on our couch switched out because I have some um, buffalo plaid ones. And I realized that all of my... All of the Christmas decor that I've purchased in the past three years has been something buffalo plaid. It's almost kind of obnoxious. (laughs) No, it's not. Because I think um, I always realize I'm very I gravitate towards like collections that have like a big buffalo check pattern in them Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's it's very simple, but has a big impact. Yes, exactly. And our living room is very, you know beige with accents of blue so it's it's a really you know it is does have a big impact on the color and everything so i've got pillow covers i have a, a heated blanket which actually stays in the living room year round um, our tablecloth which is kind of attached to our, our little dining area is attached to our living room anyway is buffalo plaid and then i have a mat out front as well so i like it it makes it makes me feel cozy and happy and that i'm semi on trend for a change well, and then I feel like that is something that very much transitions from like Christmas holiday decor into like winter. Yes. I agree. Which I we talked about this some sort of Zoom event, I think, about the idea of when I was talking about having like the gurus for the different things and we talked about having like a home decor guru and somebody had brought up the Nestor, mm-hmm. Michael and Smith. Um and I like a lot of what she has to say as far as the idea of um using like real like natural materials and it's more like winter decor versus like our seasonal type decor versus specific holidays and um that I can definitely get behind I really like to double dip and I would say what I do for fall is a good example is that I have my kind of fall base layer and then there's a couple things that are Halloween specific that I add to that and then right after Halloween I take those away and so I kind of have you know the bigger scenario of all the things that's more fall and then just the Halloween accents that make it specifically Halloween. And I'd say I probably do the same for Christmas too, that there's certain things that I'll have out until Christmas and then I'll put those away and then leave the rest up through January as, as the winter cozy vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really smart. But, but back to your original point about this being just a different year. I've seen so many cute pictures of elves going into or elves, I guess, elves going into quarantine in jars. And apparently, oh, um, yes, Emily's teacher's elf had to do that. And so we don't know if our elf yet will be going into quarantine. But our elf sent a letter uh, just the other day saying that she's taking an online class with Santa right now called Advanced Elf Skills. And so she's got a lot of tricks up her sleeve apparently this year because of all the things that she's learning um, in her in her Zoom classes. <laughs> That's super adorable. Yeah, I think it, I think we're excited to to see what Zara, it's our elf, what she has in store. Well, like the possibilities are limitless. <laughs> so transitioning to scrapbooking, what's exciting you right now, Kim? Well, I guess at this point, it's kind of all things Chamel. Um, I had realized during like the planning month that it had been a long time since I had done a class kind of outside of Simple Scrapper. Um, and, but I think part of it is once you've been scrapbooking a long time, right? Like I've taken 
photo classes and journaling classes and design classes. And at some point, you know, you feel like you've kind of covered the bases, but I also think it's good. Like I find it exciting and interesting to do a class, even if it's like maybe a topic that I've already covered in the past, because obviously there's always more to learn. So, um, I identified that one, I had not done a class in a long time and I was wanting to do that. And then I was kind of went through the process of like what I didn't want. Like I knew I didn't want for a class or a project or whatnot. Um, and then I ended up realizing that even though I have learned all these things through the years, as far as combining patterns and colors and embellishing and all of that, I'm not always very intentional when it comes to actually applying that knowledge. So I signed up for Schmel's design decisions class, which is old. I think it was released in 2016. But for me, as far as the content of just like watching her go through and talk about why she's combining like the patterns and the colors and the shapes and everything that she's putting together. Um, and actually like paying attention to that and trying to apply it in my own scrapbooking has been really fun. And then also I've signed up for in the past for journal your Christmas. So that's mm-hmm. kind of started and, um, I enjoyed watching her video kind of kicking that off. And so I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited about all my little scrappy possibilities. Well, I think you can't underscore, even if you are a more experienced scrapbooker, the the value of just following along. Um, I think particularly those of us who are creating things for other people as well, so much of it is we're we're leading the way. And I know that I love just to have somebody tell me what to do once in a while. Um, and yeah. I find that just so valuable. And on that note, I, I didn't list this when I sent you, you know, our outline because I wasn't planning to do Journal Your Christmas. But then she sent the first prompt last night and I read through it. And I, I don't always follow them, but I typically read them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I think I want to just let her tell me what to do every day or at least guide me in a direction. And I can respond to that with a, uh, no, I don't think so. Or yes, let's let's dive in. Um, because I wasn't feeling, I didn't have the day, the December 1st momentum that I typically did for my project. I had set things up like more than a week ago. Um, and I, I have kind of a, a, a creative plan. I have the supplies, I have an album, but I just didn't really have the, the oomph to really do the documentation. And so I think this will be really supportive for this particular year. <laughs> Well, and if it's a project that you've done in the past, like obviously every year is different, but sometimes it's nice just to try to like take a new, a new spin on it. So kind of introduces some of that excitement and momentum again, I think. Well, I think there's like a spirit of, of imperfection that I'm going for. And I knew I was going for that when I wanted to use more, stickers and some of the memory planning stickers that I have from Coco Daisy. And I, I kind of knew I was going to be doing handwriting, but, and we all know that Jennifer has hangups about her handwriting, but just like to going with this is an imperfect Christmas and we are going to make the best of it. And I'm going to give that same kind of energy of, I want to have the creative practice. I want to just show up to the project as, as practice, as activity, as play and not make it this, make it any harder than it needs to be. I don't, I'm not looking for perfection, the most beautifully designed, intricate pages this year. I just kind of want to be here along the way and, and use this as a, I don't know, a 
creative meditation to just be present in the moment throughout the month. Well, I'll be excited to hear how it goes. And a totally different note, I was just having a conversation with Crystal Livesey last week. And at the beginning of 2020, which seems like about 18 million years ago, she taught a photo editing study group for us. And it was very well received. We didn't didn't anticipate all the interest that we have in that. And she's agreed to come back and lead another session of it in January of 2021. And I know that for me, this has completely transformed my photo editing. It's I'm so much less frustrated than I was before. I knew enough of the technicalities to know kind of what I should be doing, but I didn't always know why. And going through her tutorials and I purchased some new presets and I just, I developed this new level of confidence and ability that I never had before. And I really just needed to uh, invest that time in, in doing it and listening to somebody else rather than just to constantly be feeling like I'm figuring it out on my own. Well, I'd say that's a pretty good testimonial. <laughs> I hope so. Well, and that's the thing with photo editing because sometimes it's, you feel like it's just kind of having an eye for it, but then there's also some guidelines or some kind of like boundaries or rails to get you started. And then as you practice, then you can maybe lean more into the like, oh yeah, like this is what I want, but like how to get there. So. Yeah. And I really feel like I have a, a little bit of a, a system or a procedure that here's my starting point. And then from here, I have to then evaluate, okay, what do I, what does it need? But if I do these things, you know, I would say at least 50% of the time, I, I can just leave the photo as is just doing those few things. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just been really handy. And we don't have all the information gathered yet, but I will include the link in the show notes because by the time this episode airs next week, that should all be up. So yeah, just, it wasn't always planned, but I'm excited to have Crystal back. And I think it'll be something that our members are really going to enjoy. That is exciting. All right. What about storytelling and our bucket list? This has been such an interesting year to, to teach a bucket list storytelling class. We did this whole nine month journey. And then next year I'm going to teach the bucket list boot camp, which is kind of the shorter consolidated version. And as you guys know, as your podcast listeners, we've been every single week, we ask our guests, what is one story on your bucket list? So Kim, what's one of your stories? Okay. I have so many ideas today. Um, so (laughs) I will just have to pick one. Um, so I'm going to go with one that has kind of been decades in the making. Um, Mm. and I talked about this at I've talked about this before with the group, but I've never like gone to the steps of making the layout. And then recently something happened that made me just like spur me forward on this. So it is the story of misheard song lyrics. <laughs> so I remember, I have heard you mention this before. So it has evolved. So back in like the late nineties, I was dating my husband and we were driving. So I think we were coming back from a date. We'd like gone to a movie and out to eat. And we were singing along to Gin Blossoms and it's Hey Jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I was singing along and I thought it was Hey Chelsea. So in my defense, it I was like it. the Clinton era and it was Chelsea Clinton. And so clearly I just thought they were talking to Chelsea. So, right. So that's been going on. And then it's kind of evolved through the years. So basically everyone in our family, except my one daughter, has some sort of like misheard song lyric. I also misheard One Republic. They have a song that is Rescue Me. Mm-hmm. And the 
lyrics is start to crack. And I thought it was start doing crack. So I told my kids, I'm like, I really, I really like this song, but I don't like that they're talking about drugs. And they're like, mom, what are you talking about? And then my husband had Macklemore and Ryan Lewis had like the, um, yeah. like the ceiling can't hold us. Uh-huh. He thought it was ceiling can holders, like the light fixtures. <laughs> and then oh, this is so my funny. other I love daughter, it. so this is what happened just recently. Um, we were like getting Christmas music playing. We had snow. My kids were out playing in it. And my daughter was singing Frosty the Snowman. And instead of Parson Brown, she was singing Carson Brown. Hmm. Because, I mean, Parson's kind of an old-fashioned term. I don't yeah. know if she knew what that meant. But they have Carsons in their school. So she just thought it was Carson Brown. So I feel like everyone's kind of, now that we've got like coming full circle with everyone in their misheard song lyrics. I think that would be a fun one to include. And actually I could even thinking, I was thinking about this last night, put that in my December album with the whole like frosty, the snowman tie in. Um, but since it's kind of a bigger story too, I'm thinking maybe I'll keep it. I could always put that part of it in, but I'm thinking like a bigger, I'm going to need some canvas to explain this. To really yeah, do all the journaling that you want to do for that. Yeah. So it's so funny because I can't think of one that I've specifically had. I know I know there have been, but whenever there's a like a commercial or something that's related to this, I will end up holding on to what that somebody else's misheard lyric basically. So the pour some sugar on me. I there was always this commercial that somebody heard it as pour some shook up ramen. Oh. And so I can't like every time I hear that song, that's what I hear. I hear pour some shook up ramen. <laughs> and I don't know. Like it just basically it planted a seed in my head, and now I'm I. It's like my brain mishears it now, even though I know intellectually that that's wrong. No, no, it sticks with you for sure. Yeah, we saw it was just an online like YouTube clip type thing, and it was just a comedian, and he was doing like a misheard song lyrics, and they were hilarious because once you would do them, you're like, well, gosh, what is it really? Because so many songs, you kind of just you know you hear the tune, and it's kind of in the background but maybe you don't really pay that close of attention. So I don't know. This is one, like I said, like has been kind of an ongoing family joke for a long time. And um, I think sometimes when I think of like bucket list stories, I always think of like the really like heavy, serious ones. Um, And so maybe in the past, like I've put more focus on those, but I do want to tell like these, it's like urban legends, but right. Kind of like the stories that your family, you tell over and over again. I want to, make sure to get those in my books. But I think Even that's if they're just that's... kind of silly and lighthearted anyway. So. Yeah, no, I have definitely have some silly and lighthearted stories in there. And there's something about kind of nostalgia stories that I love. And like you're, you're talking about the YouTube video of the comedian. Last night, Emily and I watched this like video compilation of MS DOS games from 1980 to 1997. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I played that. I played that. I played that. And I don't, I don't really remember how I played these or where I played these, but I know I had played these games. And I think there's so, so much is so wealth of compiled content out there specifically on YouTube that you can use as an inspiration for digging into some of these stories and particularly if you watch that as a family, because the first thing she said is like, mom, look at those graphics. And I just thought that was hilarious because this is a kid who plays Minecraft, which, you oh, know, yes. is like these giant pixels. And I'm like, you, you realize that this is like 
they're trying to Minecraft's kind of playing off the bad graphics of the eighties, right? So yeah. And at the well, same Mike time, Steve found, was playing Xbox, um, and it was like you know this, you know high resolution, you know all these graphics, and we were comparing it, and it was just there were so many stories just in that one moment. Yes, well, like that resolution. Sometimes you see those commercials for those games, and I think they're people. Like, wow. Oh yeah. Um. Oh well, my kids found a few years ago. I don't know if they found it or if I introduced it. I don't remember how it came about. The Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. so you can find online the actual like old, right? Like floppy disk version that I played at my elementary school. Um, and Grace actually was playing it like last week or two weeks ago. And it was a, very like random. I love it. You could just hear that music. Um, but no, super fun. Okay. How about yourself? So mine is not, I, I kind of have a specific story, but I've been thinking a lot about batching related stories. So I've mentioned a lot how doing the hybrid scrapbooking has really helped me get my stories out. It's a it's a really easy starting point for me. But sometimes there's kind of multiple stories along a theme and they're not always long, but there's multiple pages of stories. And so I had this idea and I, and I had this idea well over a year ago, but it kind of came back to me and it's 21 stories I want you to know. And truth be told, it actually started with 40 stories I wanted you to know. And that's that's part of how I got to this bucket list concept. But 40 seemed too big and too intimidating. And so I'm like, okay, what's a number that will be good for next year? Well, 21 is a perfect number for next year. And so I want to tell 21 stories of varying lengths that I want Emily to know about me. And these are things that maybe I didn't cover the interesting parts of it in my before your story album because that was so high level factual about you know the breadth of my life and I want to go deeper on these like 21 little aspects but this idea of of batching so I I and maybe this was just an excuse to place this uh cherry on top order but mm-hmm. I was loving the uh Vicky Booten storyteller collection and so I grabbed a whole bunch of those supplies and I want to basically do a series of layouts using a, a collection of supplies that are so they're all kind of similar and to really use batching to get a lot done quickly cuz I can see outlining the stories writing them all picking the photos and then it's more of an assembly process to put this together. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, 21 two page layouts and I think it could come together more easily than it would be if I sat down one at a time. That's how I kind of approached, I've always approached like travel albums, Mm. but obviously on like a very different level. But, um, I think that that's the interesting part of that too, with like the batching is I feel like these bucket list stories, one thing that comes up, I feel like again and again, talking to people is the fact that, right, you have one idea and then it links to another and then to another and to another. And so then they just kind of snowball. Yes. Um, And so actually your point about the fact that it'll probably be easier to batch them is probably true because then you can just keep following those threads as they come up, as opposed to having to like, okay, put a stop in that. Now I'm focused on this. You can just kind of um, keep that ball rolling. Well, I also think at this point, like I kind of had the idea of what it is and I can keep that on a back burner simmering for a month or two. And just as something comes up in my head, I can pop that in my Trello. And so I can keep this running list. And by the end, I'll probably have more than 21 and I can winnow it down to, okay, here's the ones that I really want to focus on or the ones that I know that I can 
that there's a particular photo I want to grab for it. So I think just having the idea and then contributing towards it allows you to refine it and make that idea even stronger in the end. Well, and then with Trello, you have a kind of a home to like yeah. hold those photos and those ideas as opposed to just having them like roll around in your head, which is what usually happens to me. I know. Totally. For <laughs> sure. All right. Let's transition to our reflection on planning month. I love the planning party every year and it's so much fun and just it's really one of the biggest things that we do. And I'm curious how how you experienced it, how you how it influenced your personal planning and what you saw in our community during planning month. So, I think I talked about on the last episode I was on when we were kind of going into this is that I just was kind of I didn't necessarily have like a strong direction I was going basically. So I wasn't willing to commit to anything. (laughs) So throughout the planning party, like just talking with members and um, within the group, I'm starting to kind of like warm up. I don't have like firm plans down, but I'm, I'm headed in a direction. So kind of the whole, and I'm not, I'm not waiting to 2021, right? Like I signed up for that Schmel class. I'm, you know, leaning into these things. Um, I think when we last talked, I was still very much like I'm doing digital for now and I don't know. And, um, in the meantime, I signed up for a pixel scrapper subscription. So I feel like I'm really leaning into the digital supplies because it was before I was kind of going between both worlds. I would look at paper supplies and then I'd look at digital supplies and it was all over the place. So I'm really kind of leaning into that. But as far as like within the group, so the people that have been good about maybe firming down some plans, I thought something that was so interesting to me. Well, first of all, there's always excitement, right? Because they're like all the possibilities of what you want to do and the options. But then this is the kicker and you will be so proud. But people would say like, these are all the things I want to do. Does that seem like too much? Mm. Or I know I'm going to have, you know, this commitment in April. So I'm going to back off on this side. So it was really, they were kind of looking at their plans, but they were making assessments based on both like what they had going on, like in their personal lives, but then also within the different projects and being mindful about not overcommitting and like leaving space for kind of that inspiration to come. So I think that was like crazy exciting. Yeah. I think my brain exploded a little bit too, because I, I'd share, you know, we, we, we call them enabling posts sometimes where we share like a class or a product or something new that's exciting us, you know, just like we talk about here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I posted something and everybody's like, oh, well, I'm not sure I can really fit this. I need to really like weigh A versus B. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I like, I, I feel like a proud mother. And I, I hear that in what you're saying too. Like just we've taught you well and you guys are making awesome decisions for yourselves because you know you can't do everything even though you might want to. And That's just, it's so awesome. Well, and in the end, I feel, I guess there's like the side of it is like, well, like you don't want to put limits on it. But at the same point in time, like if you have unrealistic expectations, you're just bound to be disappointed either with yourself or your hobby or overwhelmed and just give up. So that is where it's, I think, so exciting to just really like assess what you want, what you need and what can fit in your life. So... What, so fun. And I love that we 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 start that we do this in November and you know and our internal planning starts way even earlier than that. But this idea that if you can start laying out all your options early, by the time you do get to January, you can narrow that down to what you're really committed to, what you're really excited about. 
because I know sometimes, you know, on New Year's Eve, I am the whole entire internet is blasting at me saying, do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this sounds good. Let's do all these things. And then a week into January, I'm like, oh shoot, now I've way overcommitted myself to all these new things, whether it's like a new plan, a new app or a new project. And then you realize, oh, that's not good. But if you start early, you can maybe be able to tune out some of that noise, especially around the first of the year and say, no, this is my plan. And that every time there's a new opportunity, you have to audition it with your plan to say, okay, does this fit? Do I have space for this? Is this in alignment with my personal values, with my creative strengths? Or do I need to say, this is not, this is great, but this is for someone else or for another time in my life. Yes. And I think the other thing is, is if you have kind of that groundwork laid and you have kind of clear in your mind, not that, you know, January 1st is the be all and end all of beginning anything, but I feel like then you can like hit the ground running, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is the direction I'm going. Otherwise I think you get bombarded, like you said, and then you feel like you're behind before you've even started. And that's never good. That's never a good feeling because that's not. No, it is not. We so, don't always make uh, the most informed decisions when we feel a sense of pressure. Yeah. And you're more reactive. Than yeah. Proactive. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I thought that was super fun. And I'm like I said, I'm nailing down some things that I want to work on. I did uh, monthly favorites layouts so far this year, and I've actually really enjoyed that. It's kind of my like slice of life. Um, I try to like include like little everyday things in those. So I will continue some variation, I think of that. Um, my husband's childhood photos, it's, I organized them like years ago and we've gone through and noted like dates and people and things like that, but I'll, most of them aren't digitized. And so I kind of want to go through and maybe do a round of that. So just those things, I'm, like I said, I'm inching my way towards some sort of like plan, but, um, but no, I think it's good to start in November because it gives you that time and space to kind of really, I guess, marinate on what will be the best for you in the coming year, given, you know, the current season that you're in, in life and within your hobby and so forth. Well, and I think a lot of times just that initial conversation, you, when you get all these options on the table and you start to think, it, it does sometimes bring up more complexity or confusion or you're you you kind of have like a seed planted but you, you you don't have the right fertilizer to make it grow and you need extra support and I th- I felt that way for me with this specific project and so I posted inside of our our member community this this article called help me figure out blank and I've just been so excited to see all the different questions that have been asked there because we're all kind of you know, trying to get through the fuzziness and and find more clarity around an idea. And sometimes we just have this, we just have this amorphous blob of an idea and we need to really nail it down and figure out what does that include? What does that not include? What are the formats? What are the processes? And just seeing how helpful it is to have this community to, to tease it apart, to ask you hard questions like, oh, well, I would have never thought of it that way or... No, I don't think so. But even having something to react to allows you to further refine this, your amorphous blob into something that actually looks like something. Well, and you're reaching out to a group of like hundreds of other scrapbookers, right? Mm -hmm. So chances are somebody's had a similar experience or thought or 
process or whatnot. So it's good to kind of get feedback. But also I noticed in that post, a lot of people commented just the process of typing out the questions and responding to people helps them cement it more in their mind. So it wasn't even so much like getting the answers from others, but it was just that kind of that give and take process of helping, like, like we talked about earlier, like getting it out of your head, um, helps them come to terms with actually what they wanted from whatever their project or whatever the obstacle they were up against. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't know how many times I've tried to kind of explain a situation to somebody who's not as familiar with it. And by the time I'm done kind of laying out, well, here's the context and here's the options it's become really clear to me what the answer is and I don't really need help because I yeah. took that time to get it all out of my head, see it on paper and, and being able to actually intellectualize it and take, sometimes it takes a little bit of the the feeling and emotion out of it that allows you to see more clearly too. Yes. Well, and I think sometimes, I don't know, I'm kind of like a gut thinker, right? Like mm-hmm. I either just, I just know or I don't know. Um, and so sometimes when you don't have it, your vision's kind of clouded, like you said, with all this kind of um, like static or chatter or whatever is all going on in your head. Um, so to actually like lay it out clearly, like you mentioned, that lets you like you have like a response to that and you just know for sure. Well, and I think that the more you can put some specific boundaries on it, like I knew I wanted to tell more bucket list stories next year. I knew I wanted to do more hybrid, but I didn't really... I wanted to have a reason, a container, a like a, make it to projectify it as we talk about to make anything into a project, even if it's more long term. And doing this batching around one particular theme seems really inspiring to me. And I actually have a whole separate idea to do this in another album for like a a class slash gift project situation, which I can't share many details yet because it'll be for next year. But mm-hmm. um it really helped me kind of look at things in a new way to then have this new container that I can play with. It's like a little new toy of, Ooh, if I can do this, like whether it's, you know, 10 layouts or 20 layouts or, you know, even just six at once, how can I not only get these stories told, but use a bunch of supplies at the same time. That's, that's exciting to me. So yeah, it's definitely about a perspective, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Okay, let's talk curating photos. So it's so it's so fun to kind of be full circle. We started themes last year, but it was at the end of the year. And this was our first full year of monthly themes. And of course, we have to change everything. So next year, we're doing themes for two-month periods, these two-month creative journeys. But now we've, we've cycled back to curating photos. And it's just so... I love this time because the end of the year... We're taking a lot of photos for the holiday season. Um, We are trying to figure out what we want to do for next year. Uh, We're maybe sprucing up our homes for the holidays and thinking about, oh, I've had those frames that they're empty and they've been on my wall for three years now. I should maybe put something in them. (laughs) So this idea of being intentional with your photos is a great topic for December. Yeah, and I would say too... um from the idea of like looking at where, I guess, where you are at this point this year and like where you want to go for next year too. Mm, yes. So what, Kim, what do you think you need to personally do to get ready for 2021 when it comes to your photos? Um, I would say I'm 
in a pretty good place with my photo management. I have reminders set up within kind of my task management app each month to go in and make sure everything's like uploaded and, um, I've deleted out what I don't want and I've made notes and marked and, um, all sorts of things. So I'm good with that though. I do always find that each year I store my photos by year and then by month. Um, so I like to go ahead at the beginning of the year to create like that year's monthly folders. So they're just already ready to go. So that's just like one less step for me to do each month. Cause before I would always like, Oh, well now I have to go create that and blah, blah. And it's a very small thing, but like any obstacle that you can remove from your path is helpful. And also it's easy to just do a bunch in a batch. So I just whip them out and, um, then it just, I'm like, I feel like I'm ready to go for the year. We need to jump back to this. You have on your task manager, a task to do so that you're constantly revisiting your photos. And I think you're just like, Oh, it's just, that's taken care of, you know, yada, yada, let's, let's move on. But I think for some, they may not have that routine. So can you tell me like when you started that and maybe how it's helped you along the way? Okay. So I think I started a couple of years ago because well, actually it's probably like been four years in the making, quite honestly, because I realized that back in my early days of digital photography, I just uploaded everything and I didn't go through and like clean out the, you know, the stuff I didn't want, all the extra duplicates or the blurry photos or just whatever. So it was just kind of chaotic because I would go back. I think it started because I was going back to do some layouts from like 2007, 2008, and it was hard to find anything. It was just kind of frustrating. So I set myself the task of each month I would go back through my digital catalog for that same month of each year, if it makes sense. So, Mm -hmm. so it's December of 2020. So if I was doing it now, I would look at my photos from December of 2019 and then December of 2018 and December of 2017, I would like work my way back until like all my December photos were tidied up. And then each month I would kind of repeat that process until They were all kind of how I wanted them to be um, sorted through. I do do some like very high level like tags. um, And then like I was doing a star rating system kind of a la Stacey Julian. Um, That actually took me two years to do because some months were very easy. But then I found summer months when we would travel or October, December time periods, I would have a lot of photos. And so to go back through what I think at the time was like, you know, nine years worth of photos of those months, it was a lot. So that actually took me a while. But so now that once everything was kind of like set neat and tidy where I wanted it to be, now I just maintain it going forward. So I actually haven't done it yesterday. So it's like the first of the month, I have a reminder that comes up that is um, kind of like photo management. So I go around and um, make sure like I have all the photos I want and they're where they need to be. And then I go through and kind of delete any that I don't want to save. I do... I still do like the high level tagging just because I have found it useful for me. Um, and then I do do a star rating. Cause a lot of times if I'm going to start scrapbooking something, I will start at, you know, my three and four star type photos. Those are the ones I want to highlight. And then anything that's kind of less than that might just be ones I want to keep for reference or they're kind of supporting photos. It kind of sounds like a lot. No, but, but I at think, this point I'm just going forward. So yeah, I don't think it sounds like a lot, but you really, you've built this up over time And this process that you went through to look at photos by month, I think is really, it's really genius because 
not only does it put a, a clear, smaller boundary around the task itself as a memory keeper and a scrapbooker, it helps you find related photos and likely you found some stories that you could tell that spanned multiple years by going to look back at that particular month over the past. Yes, very, very much so. And I have some where I want to retake photos from like this year. Well, one of them was like we go to the same like pumpkin patch apple orchard each year. And like it's what the one I went to when I was a child. So mm-hmm. we have photos for my kids throughout the years. They have like the how tall this fall, right? Yeah. So we did not go this year. But, you know, I have it on my in my Trello board for next year if we go to make sure to get that photo. And then I can have, you know, years of photos of my kids. So and even now I think going through that process it has given me so much more familiarity with like what's in my photo library. Um, to kind of have a feeling for, or to like kind of plant that seed of like, oh yeah, that would be a fun story to tell again. Um, so, and I want to say it was Noel Hyman from Paper Clipping that maybe like started the concept. I feel like she would always scrap the season she was in. Mm-hmm. So, right. So if it was like fall, she'd be doing fall layouts from like previous years. Cause that just made her kind of lean into like the natural seasons. And I think that's where I got the idea of looking at that month's photos going back. Plus, right. Like I had my little like spreadsheet and I could just like tick mark everything off as I went. And so that was really satisfying to kind of see that progress as I went throughout the year. Well, I like that idea of doing it if maybe if months don't make sense, but using a natural season as a container, maybe depending on how many photos you take, or maybe there's there's stories that kind of span multiple months, like the summer season of when, you know, your kids are at home from school or maybe your teacher and you're on break for the summer. And there's like stories that maybe connect multiple months together. And I think too, that can be really valuable as well. So, yeah. So at this point, I just want to maintain that system that I have going. Um, so for me, that is creating those monthly homes for my photos. And then just, I guess, to keep on keeping on because it's working. And so at this point, I'm not really motivated to change that. Oh, for sure. And I would say my process is very similar. I organize by by year and by month. And I do this inside of Lightroom. But I do one additional step is that I create uh, these collections that automatically divide my photos by week. Now, they're not stored by week. So it's just kind of this virtual layer on top. But allows me to see photos as a smaller group. Mm -hmm. And I started the year doing more weekly project life and it's turned into monthly uh, because I couldn't quite keep up with that week. And I wasn't even always having enough photos for a full week, but I still love organizing my pictures this way so I can see. And it just gives me this smaller batch to work with because sometimes a month of, you know, three, 400 photos seems like a lot. Even if you're going to end up deleting half of them, it's a lot to go through but I can do 50 photos for a week. And so Mm -hmm. I love having these collections already set up. And when I open Lightroom, they just, they, all my photos go there and it just makes it easier to know where I'm at. Well, it gives you a starting point, right? There's no one saying that you can't look at like the bigger, you know, month collection of photos, but at the same point in time, this gives you a place. It's kind of Right. We always talk about having rails or boundaries. It yes. gives you like a starting point. When I relabel the collection done, when I've like sorted through it to, to know that like, okay, this one's cleaned up. And so, you know, I have 
about half for the year cleaned up and half not, but I know exactly where I need to go next. And so I think our our two big tasks are pretty similar. And I know there's others who are kind of in the same vein. They just want to have their home for their photos ready to go. But there's others that maybe have, they want to finally get their pictures under control. They want to develop a process or a system that can more easily move their photos from point A to point B. They want to set up a backup. And so that's why I'm also excited about another session of Photo Crush that we're hosting this month. And I need to provide a caveat. This actually starts the 10th. And I previously said on the podcast that this started the 3rd. And I was wrong. (laughs) Kim sent me a little note saying, hey, you've said two different dates. Which one is it? And so we had posted or I had posted in the membership a while back that it started the 10th and when I was, you know, working on the podcast and apparently some Instagram posts as well, I'm like, oh, well, let's, what day should it start? Oh, it should start the third. And uh, I changed my own date and that was wrong. <laughs> so, well, it worked. The 10th works better for me anyway. So. Uh, well, that's, um, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. I will say, okay, so back to your Lightroom concept and the fact that you're marking these collections done and the whole idea of like setting up this photo management system, yeah. which can seem kind of like big and overwhelming, but I think a key thing that I feel like we both kind of have built into our system is the idea of, you know, what you need to do next, Mm -hmm. right? Like you've marked those ones that are done. So like you are, you're not always like trying to scrambling to like find your place again, right? You're ready to keep moving forward. And I think that's super helpful. Well, and also I have options too. I can pick any of those weeks so maybe, and I'm, I'm a low hanging fruit type of person. So I will go back and I will look for the week that has the fewest number of photos and kind of use the snowball effect of like building some momentum that if I can do a week that had 20 photos, then I can do a week that has 50 photos next. Um, because I just want to f- feel that I'm moving forward and, and visualize the accomplishment as I go. Well, that's how I clean my house a lot of the time. So <laughs> Okay, we'll start with the dishes. And if I get those, I can move on. Maybe I can vacuum. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I definitely. And I know even with just the changing the pillow covers, uh, the rest of that conversation was, oh, you're setting your sights real high for tomorrow, aren't you? And I'm like, well, if I can do that one thing that I might feel more, you know, in the holiday spirit and I might want to do something else. But if I can just, you know, set set a small task that feels doable that really often gets the ball rolling. And I do the same thing in my scrapbooking all the time. Like, oh, I'm just going to, like last night, I was just going to maybe just start the numbered little cluster that I was going to do for my December daily page. And then I'm like, no, I think I'm going to write. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to print some photos. And like it just snowballed into one thing, but I only set up a little boundary of I only have to do this one tiny little thing. And then you find the flow, you find the momentum by, by being there and being in it. Well, and I think you lift a lot of the pressure around like whatever task it is. And even if you don't do any more, if you've accomplished that small thing, like you've accomplished what you set out for. So you have that as a win. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. When I I hope to bring that same type of energy to the session of photo crush, because I don't want it to ever feel like, well, this is just something else on top of the holiday season. No, we're trying to give you the container, the space, and the support and accountability to just finally get your brain in the game and get the ball rolling so that you can have an even better 2021 
because we know how much our photo libraries are this like foundation for scrapbooking and how it can be a barrier to being creative and making pages when your photos aren't ready to do that. Oh, definitely. And so I think that's why this this session is really going to be handy. We're I'm actually re-recording all the presentations um, because I want to change the order. Over time, I have I've worked one on one with a few scrapbookers to help them with their photo libraries, and I realized that I think my process was maybe a little backwards. Maybe it was very logical on paper. Like, sure, we go in order of like, let's get everything organized and then let's streamline it. But what if we started with the streamlining? What if we started with the most basic, simple place so that we can feel in control of our photo libraries before we then feel that our libraries are fully organized? So I'm, I'm excited about that and to just shake things up a bit. Well, I am too. Plus, it's kind of like if you can bring a sense of ease in early, then that just pays dividends, right? The yes. whole process through, whole way through. Exactly the same with, with this like snowball examples that we've been sharing. Of, I just need mm-hmm. to do this little thing first. And then the more confidence you build and the, the more, even sometimes the more skills that you build, the more that you can really feel like you can dive into the harder parts or the maybe quote unquote harder parts. And you realize maybe they're not actually hard. They just take time sometimes. Oh, yeah. And mental, mental effort sometimes. <laughs> yes. I think sometimes the mental, the mental, cha- the mental conversations we have with ourselves uh, is, is half the battle. Oh, yes, for sure. And I know that I'm, I'm feeling that right now with some photo gifts that I want to make. Like, I know that there's, I, I want to purchase this thing on this website and I have a photo on my computer, but I'm like, well, what do I have to do to get from A to B? And I know that the end result is going to be so worth it, but I'm having to go through this mental conversation of, no, you just need to sit down and do it and it will happen. And then, but if you don't do it now, it's not going to arrive in time. So I'm feeling some of that time pressure of the holiday season, particularly since we have to ship more gifts this year than we would in a normal year. Yeah, that definitely makes a difference. So in some ways, like the deadline is very helpful. But sometimes it also can add a layer of pressure too. Yeah. But I'm curious if you have like photo gifts that you've made before that like you felt, I know I've made some that were like, oh, that's kind of lame in the end. But what ones have been really worth it and just really valuable and you felt like super proud of? Okay. So two things came to mind and it's not that either of these examples are super innovative or like, you know, the end result was so amazing, but I think it was the intention with which they were done, Mm -hmm. which is what makes them pretty special. So a few years ago, my girls, we were kind of redecorating the rooms kind of as they're moving up from like, you know, like baby little girl to like bigger girl type rooms. And I was having them look online for kind of wall art type things that they would be interested in. And my one daughter kept gravitating towards all these images of cats because we have cats and she loved cats still does. Um, and that was the idea of like, well, why would we, we have cats. Why would we purchase pictures of these other cats? So what I ended up doing is, um, I set up like a little photo shoot thing in my living room with our cats, which, I mean, you talk about herding cats, trying to get photos. Um, <laughs> Literally. But, yeah. So, and I used like, I set up with like blankets and so then like a nice background. So then it coordinated with the room colors 
and um, had them made into canvases. And then I gifted them to the girls. And they had no idea that I had done all this while they're at school. Um, so that was super fun. And, you know, I mean, it's been years and they still have them up. And um, since then, one of our cats has passed away. But, you know, she still has her place on the wall. Um, and then when we had a new cat, like I had to redo her little photo shoot, right? So uh, that's kind of fun because it's something that's special to our family, specifically to my children, um, and kind of incorporates it into kind of your everyday decor and, you know, something that you see every day. So that was super fun. And then the other one that came to mind was a few years ago, Dan's grandmother. So that's the thing, right? You get people in your lives that really don't need anything, mm-hmm. but you still want to gift them something. Um, and we had done over the years, different, like large group family photos but it was just always evolving, right? Like people would get married and then there'd be babies. And then it always seemed like that large group family photo was outdated. So what we ended up doing is I got a large frame and I had a mat cut, like a multi-photo mat cut. And then one year, I think it was at Thanksgiving, I took photos of different family groups and then put them within this multi-photo like collage frame. So then as people we get married or have new babies or whatever. We could just retake that one photo of them and then upgrade the frame with the new additions. Um, and so I think she's really enjoyed that over the years because I think she always kind of felt like, Oh, well, you know, this is too bad. We're missing this person. Or in some instances, you know, um, if there's like a divorce or something like, well, that person's no longer, you know, attending these family functions. Maybe we don't want that on the wall type of a thing. Um, and everyone has different feelings about that, but, um, So I think that she's enjoyed that over the years and that's something that we've been able to maintain kind of going forward. So that was a good one. I'm curious if she leaves the previous photo like behind the new one because I do that all the time and I love opening up a frame and seeing like five photos over the years that have been in this frame. Um, She doesn't because usually I'm the one that's like updating the classroom and I just give her the old photo. So I don't know what she does with them. Because I've certainly done that over the years. And, you know, sometimes it can be just like it's it's a simple thing. And maybe it was like a little bit more when you set it up. But now it's something that you can maintain. Yes. And, and both of your ideas have a sense of kind of tradition to them. Um, and I think it's 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 a little thing. But the uh, one of those examples of where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Because it's, it's just this – it's – it's the thing, you know, I don't know how to say it. Well, no. And I don't think, right. Like they didn't start out with that intent, but you know, over the years as they have evolved, it's definitely kind of become, you know, how, how it has turned out. Um, so yeah. And then, like I said, you know, sometimes for those harder people in your life to, it's not like she needs more things. Right. Yes. And so, um, it kind of highlights what is important either like to her with like the family or with like my girls with like our pets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where it becomes more meaningful. Well, I know my sister-in-law does a calendar every year for my mother-in-law. And so that's something that she enjoys doing. And I think those type of things that you do every single year can be really fun and special too. And particularly if it's a way of like highlighting, uh, the full breadth of your family and maybe photos they haven't seen. And, Um, But this year in particular, when we're all kind of not as together as we normally are, I think it's fun to be able to to compile some of those those images together. Yeah, I would agree. I think my favorite photo gift has been, and I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, I made this giant canvas that hangs above my parents' bed. 
and it was from a photo that my mom took and it was one of her favorite photos and it's it's like a a close up nature scene so it's basically just moss and water and leaves and when you blow it up that big it you can tell what it is but it almost looks like an just an abstract print it's this the swash of multiple colors of green and it just if i would have printed it on a small canvas it'd be like oh that's cute but the fact that it's so giant it really just makes a huge impact and even though you know when you blow up a photo that that big it can be a little bit blurry but it doesn't matter because of the overall impact that it makes so that was definitely one of my favorites so I love moss. Like my kids make fun of me because I'm always like taking pictures of moss like in the woods. Yeah. Um, so that sounds like super amazing. Well, you could even, especially if you have multiple photos, you could do a series like, a, a, you know, a triptych, three canvases mm-hmm. of close-up moss photos. Yeah. And I like how, I mean, you can tell what it is, but it's not immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm sneaky like that. I love that. Anything else we need to share about what's coming up? I can't, I mean, it's so weird that it's December. I'm I'm so excited for next year. I mentioned that when we released Spark, um, so let's say it's the second now. So now like a day and a half ago, we released issue 84 of Spark magazine, which means that's seven years of doing our digital magazine. It's kind of like, that's, that's crazy. A lot of issues. <laughs> It is. Yes. And but next year we're going to bi-monthly double issues so that we can put a little bit more variety into each one. And I think I think it's going to make it even better. But I feel a little bit of nostalgia for like I've had this monthly routine for seven years and maybe I guess it was the the seven year itch. It's time to uh, change things up a bit and do it differently. So no, I mean, I can see that. I'm excited for the changes, though. And and that's always, well, one, you're nostalgic for what was. But then also, you know, starting anything new is going to have its own, like, learning curve. So there's that challenge as well. But I think it'll be well worth it. Oh, 100%. I'm, yeah, I think this year of less and this idea of doing less better, I, I'm already seeing that resonating with our community and how they're just really figuring out, okay, these are the things I know that I will stay excited about all year. These are the projects I know I want to finally get done. And here's how I'm going to do it in a way that is that is joyful and easy and, and ultimately finishable because that's the end goal. We can all come up with and dream these beautiful, complicated projects, but if we can't finish them, then that's just, that's not good. And we don't, we don't want to be frustrated in our experience. No, it just weighs you down. Yes, for sure. All right. So next time we chat, it will be end of December and we will be then be even more ready to jump. Maybe not ready, but we will be actually <laughs> logistically and literally closer to a new year. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk with you again on the other side. Wonderful. Take care, Kim. And thank you to all of our listeners. We are, let's see, this is episode 94 we are closing in on 100 episodes uh it's been such a ride and i'm excited to continue but again yeah thank you for listening and remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way